Have you ever wondered what it really looks like to be a man of God? In this segment, Bobby Harrington teaches on what it looks like to be a Christ-like man. He paints a biblical picture of what the ideal man should resemble. He describes a real man as who is not passive, embraces service, accepts responsibility, and leads courageously. Bobby sets the precedent of what it looks like for a godly man to love his wife and to put her needs first. Shane Pruitt wrote, when the church is silent on issues that the culture is screaming about, then a whole generation only hears one worldview. The church must speak up, disciple up, and train up a generation to navigate through the cultural issues with truth and love. I'm going to try to summarize the breadth of Scripture. I'm going to summarize the breadth of Scripture about men, about what God calls men to. There are a lot of nuances. There's a lot of background issues. We will be talking about those today at 4 o'clock. We're going to have childcare, and I would encourage everybody to come. Here's what we're going to try to do today and what I'm hoping to do in this teaching right now. I want to describe the ideal picture, this synthesis of Scripture that I've worked at very hard for many years. I'm going to describe something that for every man, it's your best. For every wife, it's the best man you could have. For every child, it's the best father you could have. And for our world, it is the best for our world. I'm going to encourage us to follow Jesus. And I'm going to ask us to think about it in an acronym uh, called Real Man, that Jesus was a real man. And when I describe that, I'm describing somebody uh, that is an archetype. And I'd like to take a minute for you to understand this. When I say an archetype, I'm contrasting that with a stereotype. What is a stereotype? Well, there's a stereotypical male. He usually has two versions. The one version is the dominant, overly aggressive man, full of testosterone, who's the hunter, the fighter, the sports enthusiast, who typically, in the extreme, is abusive to women. The other stereotype is the passive man, the man who doesn't know what to do, who lets uh, uh, women tell him what to do because he does not have confidence in, in, in himself. And by the way, it's an increasing number of young men in their 20s and early 30s today. Instead of describing these two stereotypes, some people say John Wayne. They use John Wayne as the stereotype. Or uh, others, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's too often presented today as, as a man who's a nothing man. And instead of that, there's an archetype. Now, when you say an archetype, what do you mean by archetype? An archetype is a flexible profile that allows for uniqueness, strengths, and weaknesses. Yesterday, I was at my uh, grandson's first birthday, and uh, I was watching my son-in-law uh, as he would cook and as he would help set things up, and I, I, just, I just reveled in amazement on what a good Christ-like man he is, but he's different than me. And that's a good thing. So I'm trying to distill down a profile, an archetype of how Jesus would live our lives as men as we follow him and seek to be all that God wants us to be. So let me share with you the outline and then we're gonna walk through it. 
He would be a real man is somebody who's a man who rejects passivity, who embraces service, he accepts responsibility, and he leads courageously. Would you pray with me? By the way, before I pray, I'm going to give an invitation at the end of this teaching. And uh, for every man, uh, if your heart resonates with what I'm saying, whether you're 12 years old or 85 years old, I want to encourage you to step forward and say to God, this is the kind of man that I want to be. Let's pray. God, as we come before you this morning, I pray, I pray first for myself in the ways that I fall short of this uh, vision of being like Jesus. But I pray that I would be, and I pray that as a church, we would raise up men. I pray for Renew Network and everyone watching this recording, that we would be godly Christ-like men like this Lord, and that you'd use us to make a big difference in this world. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody who agreed said... So uh, let's begin. The real man rejects passivity. You say, why are you starting here? Well, I want to start with the creation account. In the creation account, God told Adam, as the representative of men throughout history, he endowed him with certain responsibilities. One of the responsibilities was not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because God said, when you eat of that tree, when you ingest the knowledge of good and evil, everything will change and humanity will begin the process of death. On that day, you will die. You will start the process of death. And so what happened in Genesis chapter 3 is the serpent who uh, is representative of Satan. Satan works on the woman. Uh, Satan causes the woman to ingest the knowledge of good and evil. And, and the, the whole cosmos is changed. One of the things that happens when you carefully read through the text is you see what's happened to the man. He is not protecting. He's not intervening. God had given him the responsibility. And yet, what does it say? She also gave some... Uh, this knowledge of good and evil, she also gave some of that fruit to her husband who was with her and he ate it. He was passively by her side. Now stay with me on this because then God comes to the garden and the first person that God goes to is the man he had given the responsibility for leadership. He goes to Adam and what does Adam say? Adam says, well, God, the woman that you put here with me it's not my fault. I, I was just passively there, Lord. She gave me some of the fruit from the tree and I ate it. In two moves, he, he, he uh, is passive with his responsibility. He is passive with his obligation and his guilt for what has happened. So what, how does that work today? How are men following this bad example of Adam passive men today? Well, too many men... Just talk to anybody in their 20s and early 30s, especially a young woman today. They will tell you that too many men are not dating or pursuing women. Instead, they're withdrawing into video games and pornography. 25% of young men in their 20s are living at home with their parents. Too many men are developing moral laziness and an acceptance of sin and perversion. Too many men are constantly pursuing entertainment and mindless pleasure or, are check, or they're just checking out through the use of drugs and alcohol. Too many men are aimless and lack conviction. 
Too many men are abdicating responsibility and letting women be the primary protectors and providers. Listen, passive men let life pass them by because they're paralyzed by all kinds of fears and insecurities and the stereotypes and the archetypes of Satan, which tells them men are to be more like women. God did not wire you. God did not create your biology. God created you, if you're a man, differently. And ladies, God created men to be different. Please don't deprive them of that difference. Too many men believe that they should be passive, that they're entitled to certain things today as opposed to working for them. I just have to ask, I'm just gonna say it. Why are we allowing this to happen? Men, let's step into who God's called us to be. Let's not be like Adam. Let's be godly men. Let's reject passivity. Secondly, godly man, the Christ-like man, embraces service. Now, I just, want, I just want to define leadership the way Jesus defines leadership for us and be very clear about this. Leadership is not about who's in charge. It's about who's responsible for service. So we not only reject passivity, we embrace service. A couple of passages just very quickly for you. By the way, let me just back up and describe the person of Jesus. When we want to know what it means to be a man, God has given us the perfect man. We need to look no farther than the life of Jesus. Ladies, you need to expect nothing less than the attempt, and every man will fall short, but the attempt to live a Christ-like life. Uh, Men today need to know who Jesus is, what it means to trust him, what it means to follow him, and how he uniquely epitomizes what it is to live out your calling and your biological wiring as a man. So in scripture, uh, scripture says this, husbands, uh, your primary relationship with your wife, husbands, love your wives. The word here for love is not a feeling word. He's not commanding you to feel love. It's, it's agape, So when it says, husbands, love your wives, it's a decision to act in her best interests. It's a decision that you will put her needs ahead of your own. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Ephesians chapter five described it really well. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did Jesus love his wife? Well, we are, we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus Christ redeemed us. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. Jesus Christ, by his grace, gave us everything that we need. And then Jesus Christ said to men, follow me. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, let me be very clear about this. If you spend much time, as I have, literally Uh, reading a couple of books this week again, uh, trying to understand it. One of the books I read was Josh Hawley, the senator from Missouri, wrote a book called Manhood. And it's a great cultural analysis. I'm reading this book. I'm loving how he's analyzing what's happening in the culture. But let me tell you what he didn't do. And it's like, it's mind-boggling to me. He did not point to Jesus as the ideal example of a man. He spends all of his time in the Old Testament. And I wanted to just grab him somehow and say, Josh, what are you doing? Because Jesus defines leadership and manhood. His disciples are with him and uh, they, they want positions of power and authority. 
See, so many people are afraid that the conversation around leadership is going to be that men will be top-down tyrants and they will be abusive. And everybody is, is afraid of that. And there's reason to be afraid of it when you look at what's happened in history and when you look at what's happening in many homes. So just hear me on that. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about what Jesus talked about because Jesus could not have been clearer on, the, uh, on the, the thought of what is leadership for a man. Jesus called together the, the uh, 12 disciples because they were thinking, hey, I'm, I'm gonna have authority here. I'm gonna get to tell people what to do. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. In other words, he says, you know what pagan leadership is. In pagan leadership, the boss gets to tell people what to do. You know how the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Any man who thinks that his role is to tell his wife what to do and boss her around, Jesus said it, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So let's describe what that looks like. When a godly man sees his wife in need, he serves her in that point of need. When a godly man knows that his wife desires security, he watches over her and gives her that security. When a godly man sees his children need help, he serves and helps his children at great expense to himself many times. In fact, a godly man will put his wife and his children ahead of himself every time unless there is a, a, a moral urgency or something from God that would go against that. When a godly man knows his children require his guidance and training, he invests time and energy to train and equip them. When a godly man sees trouble at work, he steps in and seeks to provide solutions. When a godly man realizes that someone must take responsibility and God is calling him to do it, he says, I will, I will serve. It's what men do, we serve. So whether you're a married man or a single man, let me just say, this is at the heart of what it is to be a man. We serve. And whether we want to or not, husbands and fathers are called to servant leadership in the home and with their children, and in the community. There is no other biblical leadership. There is no biblical headship unless it is first grounded in service to others. It is the way of Jesus. The godly man gives his life up to serve others. Men, let's embrace service. Thirdly, the real man accepts responsibility. You say, accepts responsibility, what do you mean? Well, here's what we mean. Men, don't be like Adam who blamed Eve. Don't be passive men who wait for others to do the hard right thing. You do the hard and right thing. Don't be the husband who lets his wife do it all. Be the husband who seeks to outserve his wife. Don't be the father who lets his children flounder, who gets preoccupied at work and doesn't serve his children. Put your children first. Men, be the church leader don't be the church leader who fails to speak up and who fails to speak the truth as the culture collapses around us. Stand up, 
Let's accept responsibility. Let's be Christ-like men. It's the word of scripture. God says to fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In far too many homes, the, the, the mother is left with the responsibility of discipling her children. Hear it, please, very clearly. Fathers, the first person to do it should be us. If you're with a husband who won't do it, you've got to step in for the sake of your kids. But men, let's stand up and disciple our children. These texts teach us our responsibility. We accept responsibility. And in God's church, there are leaders who are called to serve in God's church. Only men, as we're going to see this afternoon, are called to be elders or pastors or overseers. Those three words refer to the same group. Only men are called to serve in that role. And look at the description. Here's how we are to be. We are to live blamelessly, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, they must be, we must be hospitable, love what is good, be self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. This is God's way for us. We must humbly accept responsibility to be this kind of man. My friend Robert Lewis puts it this way. There's a word to know and obey. There's a woman to love and protect. There's a work in this world with which we must excel. And there's a world that needs redeeming. God has given that role uniquely to men. We will stand up and accept it. As I mentioned earlier, God calls us to do this with great joy, and it is God's best. Women, can I, can I get some amens right now? Is this the kind of man you want to be married to? Is this the kind of man you want your son to be? Can I get some amens? I hope you're saying amen because this is create, there is a nobility created in the fabric of men that, that is a little bit distinctive from women. Women have nobility, but there is within men a desire to be called to this nobility that is a reflection of how God's biologically wired us and innately created us. And we want to be the, the good man. We want to be the noble man. We want to be the courageous man. And we need encouragement. Our sons need to be trained in it. Our sons need to be modeled in it. And as men, we've got to call each other to be this kind of man. And lastly, a real man leads courageously. Now, I want to speak this very clearly. There is a huge conversation right now going on in the entire evangelical community because what's happened is people have been captured in their thinking by Satan and the culture and they're trying to tell us that men in the home and in the church are not called to unique service and responsibility for leadership. They try to take this word head and they say it doesn't really mean authority. And I'm just telling you, and we'll talk more about this afternoon, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell that undermines men and is totally out of step with what God says. God calls the man in the home to be the head. Now, what do heads do? Well, first they serve and love, but they also lead. It says in Ephesians, as clear as day, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and his body of which he is Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 
Now, I just want to point something out here. People are going to try to, for some of you, mess with your heads about this. I just want to ask this one question. Because a lot of people say, it's, well, it's mutuality, it's, it's interchangeable submission. Sometimes the husband needs to submit and follow the wife. Really? Do you think the church ever said to Jesus, now, Jesus, you follow me? There is no way. There is a unique responsibility of leadership that God places on the husband. Yes, lead. Now, it doesn't make you the only leader. Let me clarify this. It doesn't mean that women can't be great leaders too. The woman in Proverbs 31 in her realm was a great leader. But it does mean that within a marriage, men have a unique headship responsibility and it does mean that they are to lead like Christ and for women to respect and follow their leadership. It also says in the church that those who are male leaders in the church are to be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. So, we're at war. There's a war going on around us. We have always, as God's people, we've always lived in, in a world that is more of a civil war than it is a utopia. We're waiting for a utopia. It's called the new heaven and new earth. It's called heaven. It's when Jesus comes back, we're gonna be at home and, and everything will go well. There'll be no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. All, all of our dreams will come true in that world. But between now and then, we're living in a world that is best understood, as C.S. Lewis said, as a, as a place of civil war. And let me tell you what's happening in the civil war right now that is being waged for our souls and the souls of our children. We're not fighting this war well on several fronts. Now, the war is not against people. It's for people. But the war is against Satan and his way of thinking. He's destroying men. He's destroying families. Men have lost their way. Just spent time talking to and looking at so many men in their 20s and 30s. They're lost. They don't know what to do. And all the while, the secular progressives are saying, men are bad. Men are misogynists. That patriarchy is a bad thing. And men are floundering. Satan has gained a foothold. We're going to overcome that because God's way is better. What I'm describing to you, it is the best way. It is the best for every man. And every man will privately and hopefully now publicly say, this is God's way. It is the best. I'm telling you, it is. You see, wrong is still wrong, even if everyone believes it. And right is still right, even if few follow it. We want to stand up and follow Jesus. So here's what I want to say. I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a second. We're going to start the song. And I want to ask the men, every man, if you care about what I'm saying, if it resonates with you, if you say, that's the man I want to be, I want you to come to the altar. And I just want to say this. I'm describing something that I still struggle to live up to. But because I struggle, I'm not giving up on the aspiration every day. This is the kind of man I want to be. It's the kind of life I want to live. So every man who hears my voice, if you say, I fall down, Welcome to the club. But the, the question is not, do we fall down? The question is, do we get back up? And are we going to pursue hard after Jesus? So I want to say this to all of us. 
especially the men. Say no to a culture that switches labels on what is right and wrong. Say no to passivity. Say no to the voices that tell you to shut up and check out and withdraw. Say no to those who tell you that you've got nothing important to offer. Instead, say yes to Jesus. Say yes to service. Say yes to responsibility. Say yes to courageous leadership. Say yes to being a godly man. Say yes to rejecting passivity, embracing service, accepting responsibility, and to the glory of God leading courageously.